We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no. There's nothing better. That's why... When it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show. With your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 529. Not exactly how we wanted opening day. Actually, opening day and opening weekend to go. Talk about that. Before we do that, though, Scott, so I was I was at uh, Leanne's family's uh, cousin's house for for Easter outside of course COVID safe yep. and one of her cousins he's a Yankees fan he listens to the show from time to time he said sometimes I cannot tell you and your your co-host apart and we've got this before like this is a common thing were you about to say partner and then and then hesitated on saying partner uh I think he did say partner so that's why that, that's how I was about to say I was like that just sounds fucking weird so uh he he thinks we sound like and this is coming from a guy who knows me. And we've got this before from from people we've met, like at BP crew events and stuff. So my name is Andrew. This is the, the way that I sound. 99.9% of the time, I'm the one who starts the show. 
unless for whatever reason Scott does it. Now, Scott, why don't you introduce yourself and they can get a sense for what your voice sounds like. I don't think you understand that the whole point is that they think we sound alike. So this does nothing because <laughs> as soon as we start I think telling once people who they we hear are, us, then they think it's the other pe- person. So I think once they hear us talking, it's not going to work if they can't tell who we are still. Bob, do you Unless think we I sound introduce alike? myself every time. When I first started listening to you guys a couple of years ago, I wasn't sure who was who. Like you could tell there's a little bit of a difference, but you still like I couldn't I'm the say, positive oh, that's one. Andrew. He's that's the God. one that looks at everything in a pessimistic view. That's just easy. <laughs> you can tell by the opinions. You don't but even need to listen to voice. the voice. It's about tone tone and, and sound of a voice. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, we'll sound different on this one because I'm on a different mic. So <laughs> there we go. And we also have Bob on the show. Bob the intern making his second appearance on the podcast. All right. Now that we got all those formalities out of the way, opening weekend, opening day, takeaways, thoughts. What Scott, what was your, what's your overall feeling sitting here Sunday after, after the Yankees dropped two or three from Toronto? Yeah. The, uh, the offense, again, if we're we're looking at three games, uh, and, and making some judgments out of the off, the offense is, uh, exactly what I remembered it to be, uh, anemic at times. They will hit a lot of home runs. And they we are who see, we thought they were. We will see a lot of uh, of spurts of success, and we will see a lot of long balls, but we will see very infrequent fun innings and, you know, stringed, strung hits together, and uh, it's just it's just not that type of offense. What's and, one of Boone's and it was favorite a, a very catchphrases? Big, it was a, hold on, it was a big, like, opening day, the amount of strikeouts you see on, on, on that game. It's just, it's painful to watch when you see 13. that, and it's the same shit for the last... You Same know, shit, different day. Years. Yeah. What's one of Boone's favorite catchphrases? Traffic on the base paths. We had traffic on the base path. They had traffic on the base paths all all weekend. All three games they had traffic on the base paths, and they couldn't cash in. The literally the biggest hit of the weekend for the Yankees was that bloop single was by, bloop by Jay, Jay Bruce. Bruce. Yeah. yeah, they had so many chances. Thursday opening day, zero for nine with runners in scoring position, ten left on base as a team, thirteen team strikeouts. Saturday, even though they won the game. Yeah, they did go four for 10 with runners in scoring position, but they still left 12 men on base. What were what they, the finals? They, they scored five runs. They should have scored nine runs in that game. 10 team strikeouts. Sunday, 0 for 5, nine left on base, six team strikeouts. It, it's like, and Judge is, was a, a major culprit in this for the three game series, especially on opening day. He leaves the bases loaded in the seventh inning, and then he leaves first and second in the ninth inning when the Yankees could have walked off. And, and some of these times, you just got to put bat on ball. Bat on ball, good things will happen, and they can't do it. I, I'm not to step on Bob's segment with overreacting based on limited limited sample sizes, but with this team, this particular issue is not a limited sample size. So I think an overreaction, or this is a proper reaction to be frustrated by the runners in scoring position continual issue. the reason the reason why it's an appropriate reaction is because this is the way the season ended the season ended when the Yankees offense became anemic again and became a you know um a, a lineup that does not come in, in in play on opportune times when they need to and we see it time and time again and this was the biggest one of the biggest things for me in the offseason and there unfortunately just weren't that many areas to improve upon so I'm hoping it happens from within but it will also depend on lineup structure. Hitting, getting back to ball against tough right-handed pitching is going to be a problem for this team unless they can figure some things out. Unless we do some shifting around, we get a guy like Clint Frazier who had a good weekend, uh, who who got on base often, um, was hustling his ass off, was making plays in the field. Do like, you like him in the ninth good. spot? Do you like him in the ninth spot? 
it, it, I think him in the ninth. When you're at the bottom now, when you're at the bottom, if he if he keeps hitting, he's gonna he's gonna move up because I want him to get more at bats. But if if um if he's playing left field and Judge is playing right field and Stanton is playing DH, then it's fine if he's down in the in the nine eight nine spot. I don't care because that's where he is when you when you look at this lineup. But if he continues to hit and show that he's you know one of the one of the better guys on this team who can control the back, spray the ball, then I want to see him get as many at-bats as possible. And I hope what? that he can be a guy that, yes, he's on the right uh, side of the plate, but the way that he is, uh, you know, I, I threw the numbers out last time about his on-base percentage and, um, and it, you know, his low strikeouts. He's a guy that gets on. He's a guy that makes contact. He showed it last year where he's going going the opposite way. We need someone in there to be able to, to hit right-handed pitching as well and balance this team and not always looking for that deep ball. And I think he's that guy. He's looking for that gap to gap power. Why does, based on his name and the names in this lineup, why does he have to bat ninth? Is the thing. I don't think he has to bat ninth. I it just, I don't think it's, first of all, again, three games. So if we get, you know, a few weeks in and he's still hitting the ball well, getting really good at bats, then, then he should be moving up in the lineup. If he's doing well, he should be moving up in the lineup at this point. Yeah. Just figuring it out. There's, there are good, theoretically, there are good hitters up and down the lineup. So, you know, again, this argument could be made for, probably for anybody that, that should be bumped up or bumped down a couple spots. It's just a, it's a, it's an argument that we all go in circles on because you could have 15 right answers. You know, yeah. I mean, it's not a, it's not a major issue. And, and, and just like Hicks batting third was not the reason the Yankees lost at any point this weekend. No, but that's but also, stupid. Hicks com- comes up in a few situations this weekend and he had terrible at-bats. Right. And and I expect him to have better at-bats because Hicks does not suck. For as much as I bagged on Hicks all offseason for him, for the fact that the Yankees are going to bat him third, it's not because Hicks sucks. It's because they could better utilize the lineup and the players that they have. And I think if Frazier can, if he stays consistent, you got and he's a, a, a more of a contact guy, you got to move him up to when he's going to be hitting more with runners on base because the Yankees do get on base. They get on base. Yeah. That's not their issue. It's just putting the freaking bat on the ball when there's guys on base. It's terrible. And maybe credit to the to the Blue Jays bullpen. I don't know. Is the Blue Jays yeah, pitching staff? I mean, because there were opportunities. I mean, Are they better yeah. than we thought? Or is like the Blue Jays um, pitching staff better than we thought? Maybe. Uh, well, the the pitching staff they're going to get better, even better when when uh, Pearson comes back and uh, they have a couple a couple minor leaguers that that I think are going to be ready to take that another step soon. So yeah, I, by the end of the year, I would not be surprised if they if they were much better than we expected them to be. But they, I mean, they do have some of these middling veteran guys that that you know will be exactly who we think they are. But they're, but they uh, they're should, closer. But, like that kid, but, that kid's throwing gas and looking good. I mean, he blew away Gary Sanchez today to end the game, I and mean, he had no chance really. I mean, he could not keep catch up to that ball. It didn't matter. And Gary he, was and a guy who it. had a good weekend. Yeah, he was just, just he like, was just. He just overpowered yeah. him. Sometimes credit to the other pitcher. I understand sure. that. You're not going to go 10 for 10 with runners in scoring position. But but it's it's just it's a glaring hole on this team. Uh and, and as good as this offense can be and as and as as good as the number like the spreadsheet spit out for this team because all the guys and their WRC plus and their wobas and all these fancy nerd stats which I I admit I I I get into some of them. Sometimes it just comes down putting the bat on the ball when there's runners on base and they can't do it. They got the season to figure this out. That's that's basically the way I'm looking at this. Like they're looking at this season. They got to figure out this batting lineup because come October, you know that's that's when they they are going to need to be able to have some confidence going in against these tough right-handed pitching, uh, right-handed pitchers, 
and and have a a lineup construction that just makes more sense instead of just throwing shit at the wall and saying, oh yeah, Aaron Hicks is our three hitter. There's no there's no real reason behind that. I don't understand the the actual logic. Got to break up the righties. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the, that's the thing. So. But again, we have a season to figure that stuff out. And I do believe in Clint Frazier. I think he is, I think he's going to have a really good year. I just, he was definitely a positive from the weekend. Gary Sanchez was a big positive from the weekend. Definitely. He needed, do you agree him getting off to a good start was perhaps the most important of anyone on the team? Oh, for sure. He needs to get off to a good start. I mean, I don't classify just this weekend as, as a good start, but yes. But he needed the the positive things to happen because mentally, Mentally, you know how it can get with Gary Sanchez. So he needed positive things to happen. Home run on opening day, home run in the second game. He threw a runner out on opening day. He hustled an infield single out, which I think was like the biggest shocker of the of the entire weekend was Gary Hustle. He did have a throwing error in Kluber's start, but uh, otherwise really good weekend from from Gary. The, The mental game, the mental side of the game doesn't just like click on because you're you have a good week, uh, you know a good weekend. Like this is something that you have to prepare for in the off season. You have to get yourself ready. You have to work with someone. You have to really get those reps in well ahead of the season. So uh, everything that we've seen in the spring and you know even into this weekend, Gary Sanchez has looked good. Has has had the right approach. Like everything has been very positive. So you know I, I don't. Yes, we talk about this hot start as, as as something that's needed for him. It's it's a very good thing, but again, like I don't think if he's coming into the season with a different mental approach and he's ready to kind of attack the season in a different way, then I don't think a bad weekend or a bad week sh- of uh, to, of start should affect what he's doing if he's actually taking care of that problem or if he's actually t- come to address that problem. You know what I mean? Like it's not something you could just flip on and flip off. You got to work at the mental side of things as well. You got to be able to get yourself into a mindset, get yourself into a confidence level so that you're entering the season that way. And you can't let those little things bother you. And that's a different, that's something that you can improve upon. And so far, again, it's seemingly, uh, you know, he's, he's definitely, he's definitely in a good place. So I disagree with you because I think Gary Sanchez was in such a bad place at the end of last year that even a bad weekend could derail his season. I don't think that's unrealistic to say. You're right in the fact that it shouldn't. Like, DJ LeMahieu didn't have a... He he got two hits this weekend. If DJ LeMahieu was 0 for 10 or 0 for 15 to start the season, I would not care because DJ LeMahieu is going to keep his head down, he's going to keep grinding, and he's going to start hitting line drives all over the place. Gary Sanchez, could if he starts 0 for 8 and he makes a throwing error and he gets booed, I think that could just be it for him because of how bad it has gone for him recently. I mean, I guess, but again, if, if, if you are looking at a player who has put in the work on the, on that side of the, uh, of, of his game, then it should not affect it. If you're should actually not, prepared, should not and would not are yeah, two but, different but things. My though. point is that, that those are things that you can improve upon. And I, and it, and from the things that we've seen and heard, he's, he's, he's made that a point Best of emphasis. Life. He's made, Best no, he's made that a point of emphasis, emphasis. So if he's done that in the off season as well and leading up to it, then a week, uh, then it should be a different type of Gary Sanchez mentality wise towards this, towards the uh, sport. So what we'll is two two other position players I want to touch on before we get to the pitching. Um, Giancarlo Stanton sat on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I saw Max Goodman report that it was a scheduled off day. Yeah. Scheduled off day after they played Thursday. He DH'd on Thursday. He didn't play baseball on Friday. He DH'd on Saturday. 
And then he has scheduled off day on Sunday. I mean, what the hell is going on? You gotta, you gotta make sure that they're ready. You know, you can't, you can't work them too hard. These guys, they don't get paid enough money. <laughs> eight at bats. He's zero for eight. Not that that should matter. He scheduled off day after two deep. Can't, can't play more than one day in a row. <laughs> Come Especially on, against the team uh, opening weekend again. You know, at opening weekend, a home opening weekend. First time back with the the fans in the stands. Like you can't get your superstars in there. It's not like it's sleeting outside and you're worried. It was beautiful on on Sunday afternoon. It was 60 degrees and sunny out there. It's like he's not going to pull a muscle, hopefully. Well, it's because they wanted to get Judge Gardner, Judge a half day, Gardner in there. And and you know what? I'm going to eat my words. Clint Frazier started and it wasn't just against the lefty. He started against the righty and he started in right field for Mm -hmm. for when they did the whole thing with, with, uh, with Gardner. But I mean... John Carlo needing a scheduled off day. Bob, there was nothing that, uh, that came out other than it was just a scheduled off day, right? Like, if you could just do a quick he, Google search to make sure Boone, I'm not. Boone did say that he's not planning to play Stanton more than five, like more than five days in a row. Five and this days was his but, way of, yeah. And this was so he's going to play the that, next five. Doesn't, yeah, he's going to play basically. the next. Okay. Yeah, there was it an off day. Really there was, make, there was yeah. an off day. Well, there's an off day on Thursday, so he's going to hopefully play the three against Baltimore. And then he'll have an off yeah, day. Yeah, he and then should. He'll... There's no reason he shouldn't play. But even Baltimore. if he played today, that would only be five days in a row. Yeah. And he had Friday off, so it's not. It Friday doesn't really off. make sense. It doesn't make sense. And I'm not just saying this because I made him one of my bold predictions. Need to, needs to lead the team in homers. It's just, the if he can't DH every day, then what the hell is he good for? No, it's a, it's it's strange. The the rotation doesn't need to be this uh, this much of a thing, especially when you're three games in. You you can go a stretch. You can go a home we um, a home opener without resting your guys, especially if there's an off day in there to you know to plan for a potential rainout on opening day. How about let's get let's him some, some at calendar. bats so he gets into a groove and he can be one of the most impactful. Of all people, bats. we know that John Carlos Stanton needs to get into that groove as well. The guy mechanically is just so very different when he's not on. When he's on, he's a monster. When he's not on, he looks like a totally different. He looks like a guy that doesn't even belong in the major leagues. It's it's a it's a very much a night and day night and day situation at the plate for him. So yeah, I want so him going. Their plan must be Giancarlo gets an off day every five days, and then on that day, Judge will move to DH, Gardner will go into left, and Clint will go into right. You think it's that scripted? I think it's going to change. Oh yeah, uh, I, I think, think Gardner will scripted. go into the right side. I think that you know Bruce is going to get a day, and then someone else. Is well, gonna maybe slide when Voigt comes and, back, if Bruce is still on the roster. Yeah. But, well, It'll be something like that. There, there will be a, when. What about uh, you know? Th- there's there are other people. Uh, Talkman's got to get some playing time, so it's going to be it's going to be more. Talkman, he's just a base running weapon. He comes in opening day, steals. Two hey, bases. those instincts are real. Those instincts are real. Uh, he is not a fast runner, but his instincts are there. He definitely is one of the better base runners. Yeah, I I don't see how he gets much playing time. I guess Bo- Boone did say their plan is to get him some reps at first base. So our joking plan of how bad could Mike Talkman be at first base, we might actually get to see. You were joking. I wasn't joking. I'm saying get that man a glove and let's see what happens. It's not that. But why are they Why are they doing this now? Like, why not start this three weeks ago? Well, because Luke Voigt wasn't hurt three weeks ago. But they still needed first base depth, even with only Luke Voigt. Not really. They had Jay Bruce, and then they had uh, Jay Bruce would not be on this roster if Luke Voigt was healthy. I know, but the Mike Talkman might not be either. So there's there's a there's a possibility where none of those guys are on the roster. At this point, 
uh, they're looking for every every possible way to keep him on the roster. So let's give him a first base glove and let's see what happens. The pitching staff. I love it. I want that to happen. Uh, yes, I am in the camp of give anybody uh, with a major league contract a first base glove and, and see what happens because I think that they could all do it probably. Unless you're the, the pitching staff. So, I mean, I know they didn't win the Cole start last year. We said they got to win all the Cole starts or, or else that's bad news. But I was more interested, to be honest, in Kluber and Herman's starts because I know what Cole's going to be. He's going to be one of the best pitchers in baseball. I'm not worried about that. Corey Kluber uh, kind of got in trouble with his pitch count. He didn't have his command. He he walked three and four innings, uh, fell behind a lot of hitters. He ended up giving up the home run to Simeon, and that, that ended his day. And then Herman today gives up the two home runs in the second inning. But they pulled him after three. And I didn't quite understand pulling him that soon. Yeah, it didn't really make a lot of sense. I, this is today was a, a weird day for me when I'm watch when I'm looking at the pitching staff um, because after he came in, obviously we saw Michael King come in and pitch really well. I mean, he he pitched really well. He's got that 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 new breaking ball that uh, that O'Neill was talking about quite often, and Cone they were really talking about it on the broadcast quite a bit. As a new pitch, another one that that gives him more of that that arsenal, that that repertoire that uh, allows him to get you know deeper into lineups and and a little bit further along, and just gives more guesswork to the to the players. And it's becoming you know a much more reliable pitch, which is great. And he looked he looked phenomenal. Boone does these weird things, and it seemingly has like he does have a script to I think some of these starts. Herman got pulled. Michael King comes in in no way that. He doesn't treat the starting pitchers the same way he treats uh, a bullpen game or a bullpen pitcher in a deficit. And it was a two-run deficit, three-run deficit for a, a, a while. Then uh, they got the run back, two-run deficit. Michael King's still out there. Look, yeah, Michael King's looking great. I test guy over here is like, keep him in, keep him in. He's looking great. I have Six no innings, problem with that. 68 pitches. Like he yeah. was cruising. He had a four-pitch inning, I think, in the uh in the what the in the seventh or eighth. And that's he looked, what he can do because he can pitch to contact. Yes. He looks he looks very good. But in no way is Boone leaving a starting pitcher in uh into the sixth inning the way that he does right. the way that he does Michael King. It's like when they when they go down, he's like, Well, let's we're gonna ride Michael hope, King. Yeah. We're gonna ride him. You he, know, if he gives up four is, runs, if he give when he pitches a gem, he's going out there, he's gonna pitch at least five innings. And it's just a weird thing because he there's no common thread here with the way that he treats a lot of these pitchers. And if there if there's a deficit, although it's a two or three run deficit, you're still very much in the game, especially with this lineup. They can get, you know, a bunch of runs back very quickly. He's he did this last year a lot too. He's just like an automatic punt. And punting doesn't mean that you're giving up the game. Punting, in my opinion, is like, okay, this guy is just gonna take the rest the ball for the rest of the time, right? Like to me, well, that's how much the, do you the, think the version today, of a punt with a with a relief pitcher? How much today though was what he was seeing? King do on the mound was good. Great. So if that's the case, if that's a new thing, if that's what we're doing now, if we're looking at what the guy's doing and saying that guy is rolling today, let's keep him going. I'm not, I don't care how many times through the, through the lineup he's been pitch count is manageable. We're going to keep him going. Now we're talking about some real baseball, about, about some eye test shit here. And you got me excited. That's managing. That's managing. Baseball. Yeah, yeah. That's managing. That's seeing with your own two eyes, identifying something that's happening in a given game and staying with it or going against it, depending on a situation. If that is the case, if that is a new thing that we're doing and that's new to this year, and I'm going to throw away the things, similar trends that I saw last year him do, 
then great. That's outstanding. I hope that he's doing that. I hope that that's a, a, a philosophy that is getting uh, back in uh, back in trends uh, across baseball because it's a good thing. Because we saw today, a guy like Michael King probably have him going two, three innings, right? Maybe at, at most you're like, you're very, well, very happy if King, that's the case. The thing with King last year was we would see him good for one or two innings and then they would try and push him. And then when he faced the order for the second time, it was a, it was a disaster. That was King's issue last year. But hold on. You're right in that Boone treats a two-run deficit the same as he treats a nine-run deficit. Yeah. And it's, and it's just a strange way to do it. It's a strange way to operate. Today, it didn't, you know, King kept it a two-run game. So the Yankees were in the game till the very end. Fine. But a lot of times, he will punt and he turns in the fifth inning a two-run deficit into a four-run deficit into an eight-run deficit because he's punting. Yes, I totally but, but agree on if, that. if Michael King comes out for that for, for the for a for a fourth inning and yeah. gives up three runs, everybody's like, "Why would you let him in? You got three per- really good innings from Michael King. You let yeah. him go a fourth in no win situation. That's, the, that's so the job. That's the yeah. job, right? But I that's mean, that's the job. That, but that's that's the thing. Like it, even if he wasn't pitching well, like I still think that happens. And then like Boone's like, "Oh, now you're just gonna eat it. He's gonna go six anyway." But the, the the we so the thing about the bullpen this weekend was though it was thin because obviously Wilson is hurt, Britton is right. hurt, and Chapman was serving a suspension the first two days, and the bullpen stepped up on Saturday. It they did. had they got five innings out of Loizaga, Lutage. How do I say it? Lutage, Lutke, Lutke. Is it Lutke? I think I'm closer. Bob, than you, you know are, how to but... pronounce this? Lucas Lutke, Lutage. I'm pretty sure it's Lutke. Okay, uh, O'Day. Bob's Chad talking, Green. but he's muted. It looks like uh, it's Lukey. Lukey, yeah. Lukey I mean, who, I mean, yeah. who are we going to go with here? Andrew or me when it comes I'm to pronunciations, please. They got the bullpen stepped up on set. I mean, the bullpen was great all the whole time. I mean, are you going to blame on opening day? Nick Nelson comes in. It's a runner on second situation opening uh, the no. extra inning rules. He, he did give up the a side double. After Is that, that a ball also the- that judge can catch? Because some it, people yeah, were getting again, on judge for that. And, and it was we've, a, we've it, got maybe spoiled with how good judge is in the outfield yes i have no pro- i understand where judge is is we we want him to get hurt we don't want him to get hurt we want him to go after balls we don't want him to make get hurt. diving we catches get, yell at him when he doesn't hurt. when he don't doesn't like you know leg out for use seven foot um you know the span of his body to catch a ball nick nelson came in and uh let up that hit dumb rule had a runner on second so dumb rule dumb rule era right there uh, does that, no, is, is not, that a not, Nick, no, not an earned run. Is that an earned run? It's not an earned run. No. Okay, good. Strikes out the side. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You look good. The kid looks good. I, I still, still very high on him. Uh, it's obviously one weekend. So, do you remember um, last year look against the Mets when the Yankees lost on a walk off two run home run? But it was because the guy started on second, so it was the it was the first batter of the inning hit a two run home run. Obviously, that was the first time that happened in Major League Baseball. Yeah, stupid. It's a stupid rule. I'm sorry, people. Bob, what know, do you think? Know, of the rule? People are calling saying it's not stupid on Twitter that that the Yankees have the the same opportunity in the next inning. I get it. Still dumb. Still still dumb. Actually, you save it, Bob, guy. because we have a mailbag question about the extra inning rule. So we'll talk about did it. Did that guy get earned? Did he do something to earn his spot on second base? No, he did not. So a couple more updates uh, from Boone. Luke Voigt, he said, Boone said he expects Voigt to be back in May, considerably sooner than June, as we discussed. And Justin Wilson is due back this coming weekend against Tampa, which is April 9th. So Great. Good, good news on both of those fronts. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? We've all gone through a lot over the past year plus with COVID. Well, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in your area. And it's available worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living happier today. You can visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily to see for yourself. Visit betterhelp.com slash bronx21. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of experienced professionals. We have a great special offer for our listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash bronx21. One more time, betterhelp.com slash bronx21. Couple of league items before we uh, we get to Bob's segment, which I'm excited about. Bob's first segment, no pressure. Francisco Lindor, he put the deadline on the Mets. I want a contract before opening day, or else I'm not talking about it during the season. I will go to free agency. Signed a 10-year, 341 million dollar contract. I was actually surprised at how big the contract was. Lindor's a great player. I like Lindor as a player. I didn't think he was going to get 300 plus. Oh, I did. I mean, he's he's the way that the contracts have been trending. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the best shortstops in the in the league. Everybody understands what's happening with shortstops next year. There's going to be a lot of them on the market. I think they needed to lock up. The, the Mets need to lock up a, a, a guy, and and Lindor was right there for the taking. Obviously, they you know made the trade for him. Uh, so I think the intention the entire time was to was to sign him for this long term deal. And the fact that. You know, Cohen's going to walk in there and nickel and dime, uh, who a guy that's going to be their you know shortstop of the future, not happening. They were going to set him up. So I'm not surprised that that he got the money that he got. And I'm not surprised that they got the deal done before the season because, you know, it was the it was the right thing to do for the franchise. And, um, you know, everybody was expecting Cohen to come in and spend money. And that's what he's doing. So 
Yeah, and obviously Cohen is going to be an owner that is fine giving out massive contracts, and that's a good thing for the Mets. And you know what? That's a good thing for the city of New York. I think it's it's good when the Mets are not in it, and, and both teams are have owners that are trying to win, and the Wilpons aren't doing stupid stuff. I think it's good. Yeah, definitely. I look. I I was on. Uh, we we released this episode on on, on Friday with the uh, the guys from Nick's uh, Film School. It was a it was a fun crossover, but we we did a ranking of the eight teams in New York, and like a, we did a power ranking. And the way we did it was how big the parade would be if you won a championship. That was like the the way that we did it, because there's a number of ways that you could do it, and and probably come with some different uh, different options here. But I mean, the Mets are, the Mets are definitely one of the the the, the biggest. Uh, they would have one of the they would have a very big parade. They would have a well very if it's big based parade. on the parade. I think actually the Knicks would have the biggest parade. I, I still think the Yankees would, but I think I think that it would be close for the Knicks. Yeah, I had the Knicks number because two. the Knicks because I know the the Nets are now technically a New York City sports. The Nets team, are dude. The but, Nets are seven or eight. Yeah, so it, still most people in New York, if you're a basketball fan, you're a Knicks fan. It's not fifty fifty. It's not even close to fifty fifty. No, no one's ever. Say, no, one, no one in a million years would even get close to fifty fifty or even say that. It's not even. It's not, it's not even a conversation. Right. So it's like the Nets, for are, the Nets have a New football. Jersey fan base from before and then a new I don't even I was saying this. I don't know who goes to that parade for the for the Brooklyn Nets because I do believe that some people from Jersey who were uh, big Nets fans, I was growing up. I I fell off a bit. You know, there were a million reasons why, but like life got in, you know, over complicated and you, you got to follow a certain amount of teams like you can't follow them all at some point. At least I couldn't. And when they moved away from Jersey into Brooklyn, it did rub me the wrong way. The way that it went down, it rubbed me the wrong way. And I fell off. I just stopped caring as much. Do you know so, who goes to the Nets parade? Taurus, who accidentally stumble their way into the parade route. And a guy who walks out of like, you know, a lunch spot out of Chipotle with a burrito being like, oh shit, the parade's today. I guess I'll watch it before I go back to work. That's yeah, who goes to the Nets I don't Nets know parade. who's at that parade. Either way, the Mets, it is more fun when the Mets have a good team and a good owner, I think too, because I like it. I personally enjoy when both teams are good. I think the uh, the banter back and forth is fun. The you see what the White Sox have been doing, were doing for Eloy Jimenez. It's, it's a it's a little over the top. Do you agree? Do you know what they? Do you know what I'm talking about? Why don't you tell the people what, what you're talking about? So they honored Jimenez. They the whole team signed his jersey. They did a pregame ceremony for him on opening day, and then they dedicated their first win of the season to Eloy Jimenez, who had a very serious, terrible injury, tore his pectoral muscle out for the season. He's not dead. And if if you did not follow baseball and you looked at these pictures and you heard what they were saying, you would have thought the man died. Did he do it playing baseball? Or like did training he, for baseball? It didn't. Yeah, from what I understand, he did it training. I, okay. I don't know. <laughs> I could be talking about All right. I did. I saw a similar situation on Twitter where it was like a team announced, like, get or like keep him in your th- thoughts and prayers. It was like a basketball yeah. player. And oh. like the pictures, like, it's like black and white. Everyone's like, what the hell? Like, did he die? And then he quotes the tweet and he's like, man, I was almost like replying rest in peace to like my own like death post. <laughs> it's just like sometimes I just got to not be so serious about some small injuries. I mean, if the White Sox are going to use this as like, motivation if that's even the right word like this is going to be their thing this year do it for Eloy Eloy it's like okay yeah. fine but yeah. he's still alive like like Luke Voigt he crushed his way out there on opening day no one's having a freaking ceremony with flowers for for Luke Voigt 
<laughs> that maybe we should do that and then just have that the guy come Jabroni back. Jabroni will be back considerably sooner than June. Yeah, have him come back in a month and we're like, yes, here we go. It worked. Let's go. And now he's I, on the team. I don't want to we're, we don't get really political. We we do touch on some issues. Baseball announced they're moving the All-Star game and the draft out of Georgia in response to the the new voting restrictions that were passed in Georgia. Um this came after Joe Biden recommended I guess is the word I would use recommended baseball take action and move the game out of Atlanta. And I I think for the most part, people are saying the commissioner made the right move here. I've, we actually got an email in response to the news article that Guizdala posted saying that like, just getting political. I'm like, all right, but I think most people are in support of this decision. Yeah, I don't know. It's a it is a baseball decision, and uh, it's it's interesting that because that's a big that's a big to do to move an all star move the all star game. game. That's a, that's yeah, a lot of, that's a lot of three uh, months before the game. Yeah, there's a lot of logistics there to um, to you know get something going in another city. So it's it's not something that they certainly took lightly. It's something that was a uh, it was that's a that's a big impact. So it I, sucks I, for Braves fans. Well, that's a, that's also the thing. It's like games are still played in Atlanta. Yeah, all the time. So it's like, okay, but it's a statement. That's what it is. It's a statement to move the draft and the all-star game out of there. Okay, fine. Cool. Do you want to touch anything more on that or just move on? To be honest, I don't know enough about it to uh to to talk too much more about it. But yeah, I I it's it's a big baseball it's a big baseball move. I sometimes when they do things like this too, it affects like obviously like the workers and the people around it. And I don't know. I, sometimes it it uh I understand I understand what they're doing. Um, but there, there's a, there is definitely a trickle down effect when something like that is done. I actually saw, I, I, this was not a quote that Manfred said, but it was a quote, someone talking about Manfred and it kind of put it in perspective for me. It said, no matter what Manfred did, he would be making a statement. And, and that's so much pressure when you think about it, it's okay. I'm making a statement either way. And no matter if I don't take action and I just say we're going to leave the game there because this is what we have planned, that's a statement. So he had to do something, and both both things were a statement. It's just kind of like kind of put it into perspective for me when I when I thought about it that way. No matter what you do, you're making a statement. Yeah, it's true because you. I mean, there's no. You have to make. You have to go one way or the other. You just that's the only way that you can do it, especially when you're in a position like that. So. That's a big game, and uh, moving it was a big statement. All right, let's get to Bob the Intern's segment, his first one ever. Well, you have the floor, Bob. All right, well, I mean, it's been three games. Opening weekend wasn't really how we expected it to go. There's a lots of thoughts and opinions circling, a lot of overreacting. So I've taken My some favorite. of the overreactions that have just been swirling and I've sort of swung them into possibilities and predictions that could actually come true. So I want you guys to consider some of these these possibilities and sort of say what you think about them. Uh, so the segment is called Overreactions That May Become True. And the first one is Gary Sanchez will hit 40 or more home runs this season. This is more of an optimistic one. Here's why this could absolutely happen. Because even if Gary Sanchez... Because it should happen? Because it should happen. 
well, should 40 home runs out of a catcher. Cause, okay, whatever. Out of Gary Sanchez. Not Even just if Gary Sanchez didn't have four, two home runs this weekend and he just had four hits and two of them were doubles, we could say, well, he's locked in. 40 home runs, here we come. So it's like, this is totally doable because of who Gary Sanchez can be. Right. And that's why this start was so important. Bob, I think you agree with me on this with Gary. A hot oh, yeah. start could make is probably going to make or break his season is how he plays this month in April. Yeah, I mean, the, the Gary train, I think, once it starts slowing down, it can really, it, it almost becomes... Off the it, rails. It gets to, it, yeah, it de- exactly. De- derails. So that, that doesn't just stop. To get that, theory, that theory, though, can, can happen at any point. doesn't need to yes. be just a hot start. He could get off yeah. to a hot start, and then all of a sudden in, in May... He could have a three-week uh, large lull, and now your your little theory is back in back in play. So, but it's easier go, to you, say it's easier to look say get that. back to what he was doing. Where if his batting average is one forty and it's April twenty fifth, that's different than if his batting average goes from two sixty down to two twenty on May fifteenth or something like that. The bigger news it's is that, that Gary Sanchez cares about his batting average. That's bigger news because I don't think he gives a rat's ass what his batting average is. No, but he doesn't want it to be 147, which is what it was last year. I don't think he year. cares. I think he cares about a 147. I think there's there's average. a feeling of of either he's producing or he's not producing. And wherever that batting average lands in the feeling of producing and not being in the in the papers of of being criticized consistently is is in that place. Or if he's just got that really good feeling of the ball's hitting the ball is uh, if he's mashing the ball and the, there's production there and there's runs batted in and there's home runs and you're seeing the hard hit, uh, the percentage going up, 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 and you're not seeing, you know, some of these um, just bad at bats. I think Gary Sanchez will be fine. What do you I don't have? Think How many home runs the, did he have the, last the year? results of some of these statistics matter to him as much. He had yeah. 10 home runs in 40 in 178 plate appearances last year. That's pretty good. That's like a 30 home run pace if he plays a full season. Right. That's why I think 40 for him is but, very, very, but do very you attainable. think do you think last year, just because he saw 10 home runs, he was satisfied? He was hitting 147. Yeah, the production wasn't there. I mean, there were also spurts where those came in. You're looking at the whole season. Again, these gotta have these gotta happen. 147 is a is a bit is is a I mean, that's that's if you're hitting 147, everything else is probably bad too. Let's Let's just be clear on that. If you're hitting 147, everything else is probably bad too. Okay, if you're hitting under. So you're 200. using an extreme situation. If the first here number of number. your batting average isn't two, everything else is yeah, bad. And if it is, he gives. He doesn't care. If it's one, Fine. you're not really a major leaguer. Okay, I don't care if you like the stat or not. If if you're in the if you're below the Mendoza line, that Mendoza line plays today as well. You, you know, give me some self some self respecting uh, major leaguers. Even if you don't care about it, you're like I gotta be gotta be above that. Still on the baseball card. All right, what's the next one, Bob? I think. All right, the next one is the Yankees' offense will average less than five runs per game, which would be the first time since 2016. And that's not really to say, oh, that it's less than five. That's more of like, are we going to see a drop-off in the offensive production? Because this weekend looked pretty shitty. No, because the, this is how the offense has struggled with runners in scoring position for three years, but they still average a high, high amount of runs because they hit so many damn home runs. I still expect them to just absolutely maul bad pitching. They're going to hit a ton of two-run and three-run home runs. They're going to win games seven to four because they hit four home runs. And their average offensive output's going to be fine. I'm not worried about their average offensive output. 
What did they average in 2019? That's uh, so we're runs per game. I, they averaged 582, 5.82 runs per game. Okay, I expect a uh, almost almost an identical year. And okay. but really, in 2019, the only player in the lineup that was good with runners on base was Lemayhu. Yeah, I expect almost an identical year. Let's hope it doesn't end in identical fashion. That's the thing. When we're looking at these 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 numbers during the regular season, when you're looking at the big averages, it's hard to really, you know, pull out some some nuggets that will translate into how you win a championship, to be honest. Because those though averaging the amount of um runs in a regular season, yeah, you can you can definitely skew that by mauling the Orioles pitchers 19 times. And and throw some large numbers in there and skew the so you're getting a lot of home runs in those. By points. the way, the Orioles mauled the Red Sox pitching all weekend. So yeah, I good think... for them. I'm, I told you early season. There's some early season momentum. I called that. I, I said that that's why they're going to lose two games potentially. Hopefully, it won't be this week. He's already backtracking on the prediction. No backtracking. It's two. I saw you send a message somewhere of yeah. 19 and 0, which was a just a a, a lie. But um, yeah. I, I think that when you're looking at the average numbers, that doesn't it's not going to tell us what this team is necessarily, but how do you get to those numbers? How do you get to that five runs? That to me tells you a hell of a lot more about what this team is doing and how they're rolling than, you know, they they hit, you know, two, three run home runs. It just that yeah. just doesn't tell me that much. Okay. Well, the next one is about Domingo Herman, and it is after today's game, I mean he pitched four innings. 300 runs, not a great outing at all. And with with the, with the depth the Yankees have at starting pitching, is it possible that by the postseason, we don't even see Domingo Herman on the mound? With Debbie Garcia and Severino coming back at some point throughout the season, is that a possibility? Yeah, total possibility. Big time. Because it's not even just because of he could pitch himself. It's because he could pitch himself out of a job, but also then they're just going to totally move on from him. I think I don't think there's going to be mm-hmm. second chances with Herman this year. Yeah, yeah, he's got a short leash, I think. And then also, so if he's not pitching well, and again we talked about this, this is not when you're when you're looking at the situation here. There's off the field issues, and then you're looking at on the field dismissing a guy after he's getting an opportunity to pitch well and then doesn't pitch well, and you're like, eh, it was dependent on whether you're whether you're producing on the field. But it's his job. That's what his job is. His job is to pitch. He's getting paid to pitch on the mound. Uh, uh, so if he's not doing that, then yes, because of the other things, I think that there is a shorter leash, not to mention you do have more depth. That said, they're going to keep him around as long as possible, most likely, but they're not going to probably release him outright. I don't know. Do we know how many, uh, options Domingo Herman has? If, if any, that would be something good to know. Well, he, you said, because Bob, he, you said he pitched four innings. He pitched three innings and this is coming off a perfect spring training for yeah. him on the mound. He was fantastic. This spring training, spring he training. Pitched, so I know yeah, that, three, yeah, but, three but they pull him after three innings. I, I I understand. Like, I didn't get it. I didn't get why you pull him. Because Michael King was going to throw six innings. It was in the book, right? Okay. <laughs> I, it's weird because you 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 know if you look at the 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 argument for Michael King going six innings beyond the fact that he was pitching well, like that. Okay, if that's the case, then great. I love it. You should you should do that every time. But if it was because the bullpen was, you know weakened at this point and and they needed to get someone in there to take more uh more let support her stay out there let her mom stay out there exactly so I, I don't really understand what he was doing it's it just conveniently worked out for him 
That's what I think happened. I think Michael King pitched his ass off and now Boone looks good because of it. But I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that, that, uh, that's the full, the full reason why he was still out there. I think he was going to be out there no matter what. There's a situation where Herman goes three, Michael King goes two and a third, then they have to bring in like Luis Sessa. And then Chapman has to pitch an inning because he's back and he's the only guy who hasn't pitched yesterday. So it's like, and yeah, what I'm saying is after everyone that, pitches when it was three, nothing and Michael King is in, it didn't matter what Michael King did as much because he was going to pitch five to six innings. That's what I think. That's what I think was the deal. Like he was in full punt mode and it just so happened that Michael King pitched his ass off, which okay. is, which is just strange. Yeah. All right. So the next one is the Yankees bullpen is going to be better than the Yankees rotation. Is that going to happen this year? I, it, it, I Not mean, according to my prediction, <laughs> if Michael King is coming out of the bullpen struggle. throwing six six innings of, uh, of maybe he's going to be a Swiss Army knife ball. this year. Maybe I was wrong last year. It's a Swiss Army knife. That was a Swiss Army knife performance today. That was a that was just a yeah. a good performance. He uh, could they be better? Yeah, I, I mean, yes, they could be. And the reason why they could be is because we still, even after a weekend of baseball, after three games. Shocking that we still have some uncertainties in the starting rotation. That is still a thing. We are very much, we saw it this weekend. We saw the uncertainties. Domingo Herman did not get any length at all. Gave up some home Neither runs. Neither did Kluber. Corey Kluber goes in, throws, what, four and, uh, and change. Four plus. He pitched four into change. the fifth okay, inning. Okay, so now, and, and, and is walking guys in pitch count. We know when he gets into that fifth inning, when he when he gets into that fifth inning, it's going to be very dicey whether he's going to be able to finish that fifth inning or, or, or get into the sixth inning. Because they're going to be very close to monitoring what he's doing. So we don't know what to expect from him, you know, into May. I think after we get, you know, uh, eight, eight starts, five, five, six, seven, eight starts, we'll, we'll have a better idea of what he is, I guess. But the uncertainty of the pitching staff and the starting rotation is still there. And we may, by the end of the season, like, Bob, you're asking if Domingo Herman's going to be there. I would not be surprised if we had. Davey Garcia in there. I wouldn't be surprised if Clark Schmidt had a significant amount of starts to to um, come into it. I wouldn't be surprised if mm-hmm. someone we don't even know about has uh, you know some starts. Michael King slots in as a spot starter. Like there, it could look very different. We don't yeah. know because there are so many uncertainties. But yeah. the reason why that's kind of okay is because their pitching depth and the youth in AAA and the guys that they have to come up are talented. They have talent ready to come up. And that's why they're in a unique position. Yeah, totally. And the last one, just to blow this, this whole series completely out of proportion, but are the Blue Jays going to win the division over the New York Yankees? <laughs> I'll go first. I, I was watching on, um, I think, uh, one of the MLB channel show, MLB network shows, and two two of the of the three picked the Blue Jays to win the division. And trolling. after talking with Arden Zwelling the other day uh, and getting uh, you know our annual preview with him, I think this is the third year I've spoken with him. I I thought they were going to be better last year because of the offense. And well, they it, did make the playoffs last year. No, I mean if, than him. I thought they were going to be uh, better than they were, even compared to what he thought, uh, because it did seem like those kids were ready to take that. They have a level of confidence that's really unmatched. They really do. They they feel like they've been in the league for too. like five like, six they've years. Got a lot of talent. Then they have a lot of talent. Yeah, they have a lot of talent. And then they added two really, really key pieces that I think are just going to be absolutely gold for this lineup. George Springer, when he's back and healthy, uh, that and um, Marcus Simeon are absolutely perfect 
perfect additions to this lineup. You add, you go and you add in um, uh, Ryu and then uh, who's been there, obviously, but uh, Nate Pearson, who I think is going to be one of the best pitchers in the American League East when he's ready to go and healthy. He's got, he's a little nicked up, but he's dynamic. And they have some other, they have some other kids, which I forget their names that, that are, are no slouches in the, that, that could possibly get into this rotation. I, they scare me a bit. They really do because of their confidence level. So I, I think it's going to be a bit of a dogfight. I know that the Yankees struggle with the Blue Jays, and I think I don't think that's going to stop. That might not stop for like 10 years, <laughs> 10 plus years, because these guys are going to be around for a while. So I think between the Blue Jays, the Tampa, uh, Tampa Rays, and the Yankees, there's going to be some dogfights. And yeah, I think the Blue Jays All are going to be All three of there. those teams could make the playoffs, though, still. They could. Here's it would the be thing tough with the Blue Jays. Three, but no, yeah, they two could. wild cards. Yeah. I think with the American League and how everybody's going to beat each other up, it's it could be tough. I, I the see thing with an the American Blue Jays, League Central team. Uh, come, I think I think they the, might get two. If the Blue Jays bullpen is really improved, I mean, this might be an overreaction from the weekend, but that's what we're doing. That's the segment. Yeah, Blue Jays bullpen shuts the Yankees bats down in the late innings. If their bullpen is going to be locked down, then yes, they could absolutely win the division. Yeah, that's a big deal. That is a, that is an X factor. If they have a bullpen that is that is good, it looks like they have a closer three games in, looks like they have a dominant closer. If he's a dominant closer and they have some guys to lead up to him and they're, they get some consistency out of there, this team is going to be trouble. Yeah. This team is so, going to be trouble. Because if they catch fire, if they catch fire, they're not going to let go of it. They have winners on the team and they have just raw young talent with a pedigree, three guys that have a pedigree of, um, are they all? No, Dante Bichette's not a hall of famer, two of three hall of fame pedigree. And Dante Bichette was a damn good player. Damn good on steroids. Oh, so you're talking about the dad's pedigree. It's like, what do they all get on FaceTime? Like, no, I'm uh, saying pedigree. Pedi- uh, hey dad. Hey, Vla- hey, Vlad, hey, Vlad Jr. is talking to his dad. Can you talk about your pedigree? Do you understand what pedigree is? Yeah, I do. I don't think you do. No, pedigree I do. But is how, like how does, how do these players have pedigree? Genetics. That's why no they, pedigree they have, is they have pe- that, isn't they, pedigree like respect from others? No, uh, think of a dog like the pedigree. When you go when you when you get when you they're like breeding baseball players. They have, to, they have <laughs> Hall of Fame talent in their in their blood. So they've they've been in the dugout. They've been in the clubhouse. They've been with these guys for they they know the system. They are so confident that um, yes, You're when right. they catch, I, when they, right. I know I'm right. When they catch fire, you don't have to tell me. Everybody who's listening to this knows I'm right. And for the record, Scott Reinen was right, not Andrew Rotundi. He was wrong. For those of you who can't tell us apart, <laughs> um, they 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 have a mixture there that is a bit scary. And with George Springer it, fully healthy and a Marcus uh, Simeon, who both of those guys can rake, it's trouble. Yeah. So I guess that's. I guess out of all of those things that you said, Bob, like I think the least overreaction is that the Blue Jays are going to be a real threat. Yeah. They can okay. do different things with the ball too. That's the other thing. They're not home run heavy. And any team who's not home run heavy later in the season becomes a worry for me. Let's get to mailbags. We've got a couple of good ones. And finally, I have someone on the show who's going to read the mailbags. So I don't have to butcher names. All right, Bob, take it away. Who's up first? Yeah, so the first one's coming from the situation we saw on opening day. It was ninth inning, one out, runners on first and third. DJ grounds out to third or grounds to third base with the infield in. But Talkman is running on contact and is thrown at thrown out at home. So right, Andrea so Andrea asks, yeah. Yeah. So Andrea asks, do the analytics say that one should go on contact from third with the infield in? So I, I Andrea DM me this question. 
And I, I didn't know off the top of my head what the analytics say. And the, the first thing I thought of was how analytics does not support stealing bases because it's not worth the risk. You rather have the guy try and hit a two-run home run or hit the ball in the gap and score that way than have the guy potentially get thrown out at second and then have to rely on another base hit. So I was thinking, oh, maybe the analytics wouldn't say to run on contact. But then I thought about it more. And even from an analytics standpoint, the contact play makes total sense there because even if he gets thrown out at home, which Talkman did, it's first and second, two outs with a man up at the plate. There's no difference really between first and second, two outs and first and third, two outs when you only need one run to win. It's basically the same situation. So I think the analytics say to go on contact. So I liked the play, make the guy make a play. The third baseman made a play. Talkman was out at home. So it's based on the situation that on the base path as well uh, goes into that. That makes sense because obviously two, two, uh, two outs runner on third, still got to get a base hit. Um, I mean, there's know, he, wild pitches and stuff, but sure, yeah, yeah. But really, it's not that different. But bad, uh, you know, ball in play. That's what you're looking at at that point, right? Identifying what could happen with ball in play, and even then, you still need a base hit, or you need uh, the the you know the runner to uh, to get to first. So I, I'm fine with it. My uh, Talkman first base uh, to to first to second. He stole that instinctually. It was he's not the fastest guy in the world. He's, he's got good instincts. He can read pitchers well. He reads situations well. And I really do like him for that. Again, same thing. Took a, you know, a, a, a kind of a walking running lead and, and, and stole third. Not the fastest guy, not the best, you know, base stealer in the world or not the fastest runner on the base pass, but a good base stealer because of the instincts. The third, the, the uh, runner on third instinctually. The only thing I'll say that's uh, against him is again, he's not the fastest guy not the fastest first step. He's more of an instinct guy. So when you're looking at that, knowing the player, the contact play is a bit of a higher risk because I don't think he starts as fast as some other guys. If that's Tyler Wade, I think it's a much closer play and he potentially gets in. But um, with Talkman, again, not the, he, he's got a, a big of a, a bit of a caboose there and he's, he's, you know, he's hauling some weight getting down the line. Uh, still a bang, bang play. I don't mind it because I think that you still have to make, the ball has to be perfect, perfectly hit. And, uh, and then a perfect throw and catch and tag has to all happen. So I'm good with it either way. Um, I think that it's a, it's, it's probably the smart move and it just didn't, unfortunately didn't work out. Yeah. And plus DJ LeMay, who's up, right? So you're thinking that you're thinking that there's most likely there's a very good opportunity that the ball is going to be hit harder. Well, the contact play, I mean, I know the contact play means you run on contact, but you still have to sort of anticipate contact, and it's easier to anticipate contact with LeMahieu than it is anyone else in the lineup. Sure. Yeah, it does help your first step. There's no doubt about that. Tyler, right, wait, it's interesting. what's interesting now, though, about that play is that the catcher has to give the lane for the runner, right? So if it's if it's even just a, a, a fraction of a second Later, if or if the um, runners of, uh, is down the line uh, uh, just a little bit more, then that now takes into play where the catcher can actually catch the ball and and then you know um, not be in the way of the runner. Because if Tyler Wade is running, he's got a ba- faster first step. He's down there a little bit faster. If he's like I don't know two feet further down the base path or a foot and a half further down the base path, that comes into a situation because the catcher was definitely over towards the base path. It was, he was, didn't Tyler Wade already pinch run for someone else. I'm just talking, I'm not saying that that was a, a, a decision. I'm just, I'm, I'm comparing them as, as individuals and athletes and like the, the situation itself. 
If it was someone um, a little faster, it might have been a bang bang play. Yeah, I think Tyler Wade had already pinch run for someone. Yeah, I was not calling for Tyler Wade there. I'm just yeah. uh, I'm saying that in no, that I know you per, love in Tyler that situation, Wade. a faster guy may have already got in. So it makes this conversation almost moot because it could have been bang bang, could have been either way. All right. So for the next mailbag question, we have it from Eric Heredia. And he was talking about today's game. What is the benefit of today's game ending like it did? Nice and tidy, three hours, 45 minute game, game time. Yeah, lots of kids will grow up remembering this day, this historic day in baseball history, when a baseball game ended in less than four hours. Thank God the Blue Jays didn't have to actually earn the win. He's talking about opening day with the extra inning rule. He's pissed about the extra inning rule. Uh, And and, and because the extra inning rule was supposed to make it so games end sooner. And he's like, well, you're already playing a three-hour, 44-minute game. What's the point? I, I mean, I understand that. Yeah. And then, and then the next day, the Yankees played. I think like a three hour and and thirty nine minute game or something like that. So yeah, today there was, was some slow today baseball. Was fast too. Today was quick. No, those are not fast. Bob. Well, yeah, the, those were not fast. Today was very quick though. Today was under three hours, I believe, which is what I like to see. Even though the Yankees this, lost, this this is this this goes back to the point that that Major League Baseball is just throwing a bunch of bullshit out there, saying that it's making the game faster, and it's just not true. It's just not true. Well, no, no, no. This was a COVID. They're just trying to eliminate the 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 games that go, you know, fifteen to seventeen innings or whatever, thirteen, fourteen, and they just don't happen often enough to make it make a rule like this that changes the, uh, you know, however many games that go into the tenth inning. It's just dumb. It's so it's it's trying to put a band aid on a problem and trying to make a a uh, like a plea to the public, like we're trying. We're making a game faster because now we're ending it by putting a guy on second base and giving them an opportunity to have a NCAA college shootout style victory. It's stupid. It really, it doesn't, it does not work for me. It really doesn't. I agree. This is major league baseball seeing a forest fire and pissing on it, thinking that's going to put it out. Of course they do the wrong thing. I do though think sometimes, especially when you get into those 14, 15, 16 in games, which are rare, they become slogs because the innings have nothing happening because guys are fried. So if maybe if you want to start this rule in like the 12th inning, would you be down with it? No, because it doesn't happen enough, often enough to make a difference. But when it does happen, I don't want to sit there like we had to sit you there. You just sat like through a, a co- four-hour four no, no. game anyway. Do you remember the game against the no, I don't Chicago the Cubs? Game. 18 innings against the Chicago Cubs like four years ago. It was a Sunday night baseball game. It ended Is it the Brett like, Gardner home run to win it? No, Brett Gardner, that was the same weekend. It was in Wrigley Field. The oh. Yankees played an 18-inning game on Sunday Night Baseball. We had to record a podcast. Okay, that's up Sunday Night Baseball. It. That's fine. That's, you're like, Listen, that's your perfect storm for an here, argument right Here's now. my... my The thing is, though, that game, it got to like the 13th inning through the 18th inning, and every inning was the same. Everyone was trying to go up there to hit a 500-foot home run to win the that's game. That's every and inning in every, every Yankees game ever. <laughs> but the extra innings became so monotonous because it was the same thing 13 14 15 16 17 18 there was the same inning every time let me tell you let me tell you why let me tell you that then then fix baseball then then i'm, I'm not saying fix yeah, baseball because it's broken i but, agree but then make them do different things don't go up there and try to swing for the fences every single time get on base manufacture a run do what you got to do to scratch a run across why is that why is that the sports problem and, and, and trying to change what we're doing with the actual sport and affecting wins and losses because now we're manufacturing a run fabricated out of the clear blue sky. There was a runner on second base. Nick Nelson, in his first appearance of the, the 2021 season, young kid gives up a 
double that the right fielder probably should have caught. And now we're talking about him striking out the side, and but the game is over. He lost it because that runner scored. Get get out of my face with that nonsense. Bob, do you, what do you think of the rule? I don't. I don't. I don't like the second base rule. I don't like that at all. I've, this I've, this is not a generational I, thing either. There's it's not it's not a generational thing. I really don't believe that. I think this is just a, a just a bad goddamn rule. It's just a bad goddamn rule that makes no sense. That was fabricated out of nowhere. I mean, if the rule's not there, we're still playing that game. Still, it goes into the eleventh. Sun- it's it's Sunday at seven p.m. We're still playing that game. Well, You're yeah. Right. There's another opportunity. It's a three-day and, and game. The other the other people are saying, well, the Yankees had the opportunity as well with the runner on second base. Yes, that's they true. Did. And guess what? That was stupid. Also, they end the game in the ninth inning when you have first and third with one out and you can't get a run in. End the game then. Fine. End the game. Right. You're right. Correct. Come through. Make make uh, make things happen. There's that's right. Clint Clint Frazier was hustling his ass off today. Let me uh, let me see let me see more of that from more people. All right, let's get to the last mailbag question. The last one is from Andy Guzman. He said, hello, guys. Love the show. After the first three games and the poor defense from Glaber at shortstop, it's crazy to consider, even though it's only the beginning of the season, to place Gio at shortstop, move DJ to third base, and let Glaber return to second base. Is that crazy? Is it crazy to question Glaber's short ability, ability to shortstop? Absolutely not. He made three bad plays this weekend. Uh, opening day, he had a ball in the hole on a shift that he just let go under his glove. It was going to be a tough play anyway, but it potentially opened up a longer inning for Cole. Then he slow played a ground ball late in the game and Teoscar Hernandez beat it out. And then today he made a throwing error. Glaber's defense is a real issue. I think it's crazy to expect Gio to go to shortstop and be a full-time shortstop. I think that's crazy. It is. At this point, you can't do anything about it. Glaber Torres is the shortstop for this team unless an injury were to happen to him. Uh, that said, this is something that we're going to be watching a lot this year and identifying how he's either improving or not. We're seeing the same thing. We're seeing you know, a, a guy that's that's as old as Glaber Torres, we should not be talking about who's a, a shortstop. We should not be talking about range issues. We should not be talking about you know, th- these types of things that, we're t- that we are talking about as a shortstop. That should not be a problem. And it, it very well may be a, a, a long-term problem, which which really does make you think about how the Yankees are going to construct this lineup into the future and identifying where Glaber could shift. Because I still think, you know, assuming the bat um, plays much better this year, which I expect him to have a, a much better offensive year. If he if he's still a liability at shortstop towards the end of the year, they're going to have to they're really going to have to consider you know what what twenty two is going to look like. With Glaber, uh, with Glaber Torres at second or third base, you know, making a move in some way and and identifying how the the roster is going to shake out in that way. Well, they signed Lemayhew for six years. They have Geo locked up through arbitration for a couple more years. Glaber's the shortstop for at least the next three to four years. I I could see a situation where Lemayhew slides over and and. Gio Urshela changes positions. I could see a situation where Gio... Where's is, Gio? Gio's not going to shortstop at age 30. No, I don't think he's going to shortstop, but I could see him... I could see them going... Uh, it's tough. It becomes tough. You're right. It does because of of what they have uh, locked up. But the fact that LeMahieu gives them the ability and a little bit more flexibility at first base and third base that they have some things that they can do. But 
Guess what, you, guess what people have to get used to seeing? Guess what they have to get used to seeing? Tyler Wade in the games from the eighth inning on. Yeah, and that's potentially an issue because you're taking Glaber's bat out of the lineup. Yes, and that's when that's when he will be exposed as a as a, a an offensive liability. Tyler Wade, I'm talking about, because yeah. if there's a close game, let's say it's a two run game or a one run game, um, and you need that, you could look at it both ways. If they tie the game, you need the bat, but you need to you need to um, have run prevention and play good defense because that could also be, uh, you know, put the other team in in the lead or tie a game. It's a tough situation there that Boone's going to have to manage. So we'll see what happens. Find that out. Sanchez destroys that to left field. There it goes. Deep to left. Really deep. In the air to left field. Back at the track. At the wall. We are tied. I pissed on a public building. (laughs) Yeah. Out of left field, Scott, this one's going to hit close to home for you. And I know you've got some thoughts on it. So I just bought a house. I'm living in Bergen County, New Jersey. I just bought a house in in Bergen County, New Jersey. Yes. And you grew up in Bergen County, New Jersey. I did. There, there's this asinine policy, rule, whatever the hell you want to call it's, it. It's a law. In this county. It's a blue, nothing, the blue laws. Nothing is open on Sunday. Okay? And now... Well, that's not true. Well, restaurants are open on Sunday, but you can't go to stores and buy things. And like, you can't go you to... You can't go to stores that sell clothing. Or things that sell home goods because I just bought well, a house. Well, they sell also p- potential clothing as well. It's it, it's rooted back into a, like a very, very old law. It's asinine and it makes my weekends difficult, okay? Because now I got a kid too. You've got a kid. Bob doesn't have a kid yet, hopefully. And when you have a kid, everything takes for goddamn ever, okay? So it's like, oh, let's go to the tile store. I went back to the freaking tile store because we haven't picked out tile yet because there's a million options for tile. Okay, let's go to the tile store. What time do you want to leave? Let's leave at 1130. We got to the house at about 145 and you get to the tile store and you spend 45 minutes there and because you got a kid with you and the kid's crying and the kid needs to eat and he shit his pants again. It's like, oh, we got to leave the tile store. Guess what? We didn't buy any tile. Oh, let's go tomorrow. Can't go tomorrow because it's Sunday and it's closed. I hate this rule. So I, I need to put a caveat in here. I have not lived in Bergen County in quite some time, so I don't know if the blue laws have changed or, or been tweaked a little bit. But I, you know, the malls are all closed. The Paramus is closed. Uh, all the everything's uh, closed. The things there, but you can you can buy um, you can buy alcohol after twelve o'clock, right? Is that still that that's still uh, After t- I, have, I don't I don't know about that. I just know about like stores that you would just want to go to on Sunday, one of the two weekend days when you're not working. Oh, it'd be nice to go to this store because I need to do some shopping. No, well, you can't. can't. Do it. You know that you can't. So plan accordingly. Go. I somewhere just else. told you it's hard to plan accordingly when you only have one day and a freaking seven week old. I mean, I'm not telling you that that it's uh, it, they're not made for you to be to be convenient. You just need to. It's part of your life now. I will say this. You're not very far away from New York. You can go up 17 and you can get into New York pretty quickly. You can get into Suffern. You can go to the outlets. You're not that far away living in Ramsey. So you actually do have- Oh, now you told wherever where I'm living and now- Oh yeah, they're going to stalk your town and just just find your house. There's there's three houses in Ramsey. You've already said it anyway. My parents grew up in Ramsey. There's a connection there. I have a lot of family in Ramsey. It's very bizarre actually, because people think this goes back to us sounding together, sounding alike. People think we're brothers or cousins or somehow related. Not at all. I didn't know you prior to 2012. And uh, and it's just bizarre how much in our past or in, in your past and in my current life, there's like overlap. Yeah. 
No, it's true. There is there is a lot of uh, the the Ramsey thing definitely put a put a little cherry on top of all that. Um, but I mean, it's a it's a. I'm usually actually today's Easter. Usually every single year for Easter, I'm in Ramsey uh, at my at my uh, you know grandfather's house. And the you know after he passed, the it's it's been harder and harder for us to get back there. Um, all of us, everybody together. But it's it's always been a thing. Again, my parents went to high school there. Um, I have a lot of family still there, so. It's a, it's a cool place, but blue laws are a pain in the ass. They are definitely a big pain in the ass. And Sundays in Bergen County, you got to adjust. They're just different. I grew up with, with that happening. So I was very used to it. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a huge pain in the ass. Yeah. That's, I, I guess I just have to adjust. You do, but like you are you not said. that far away from, uh, from, you know, yeah, I know. I just don't want to drive 35 minutes to go do my shopping. I want to drive five minutes to go do my shopping. But, Is that too much to ask? It's an it's nap time. You know what happens when you drive? Kids fall asleep. Yeah. All right. That's gonna do it for this episode. Uh, opening weekend overreactions. Gotta love it. Hopefully they get back on track against Baltimore before the the series against Tampa. Bob, good job on your first segment and your first full episode. We Thank will you. talk to you. We're gonna have a couple episodes this week. So just quickly, we we mentioned this plan. Monday shows are gonna be just like this. More longer episodes traditionally like what you've heard from Scott and I, and then we're going to do some more quick hitting episodes throughout the week. And then uh, Friday morning, we might be back at you with a, with a, a quick hitter before the weekend. So stay Look, tuned for we, those. Can we talk yep. about that real quick? Cause we think we should give a little bit more details on what this format is and why we decided to do this. The, the quick hitting throughout the, throughout the week are going to be topical. We're, we're going to be, de- uh, you know, looking at either things that have been written in this week or things that are happening on the field and be able to have a deeper conversation about a specific topic. Uh, Some of these will be with other people that come onto the show. Andrew and I will probably alternate having a guest on uh, weekly and again, diving into a particular topic as an example. You know, uh, I think I'm talking to Andy Martino on Tuesday. He wrote a book about the Astros cheating scandal. So we're going to get into that stuff. Perfect. Um, uh, another, another example of this, uh, Lindsay Adler came on the show, um, in, I don't know, last year doesn't matter. 2019, I think it was towards the end of that. And we talked about, it was actually 2018 when Rothschild was last year. Jesus. We talked about the, uh, the, the difference in, in strategies, the Yankees, uh, and how they were organizationally, t- uh, talking about the, the pitching oh, staff. Was Rothschild here in 2019? And so, we 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 went a little, we went deeper into that conversation and just really around that topic and, and really drilled into it. So there's there's going to be more of that stuff, which is I think is going to be a lot of fun. Give us an opportunity to really get a uh, you know deeper on on particular issues and topics that are happening um, within a current week. So if you guys uh, you know along with the mailbags that you're sending in for our Monday shows, if you have particular topics or or things that are written, doesn't need to be on Bronx pinstripes, can be written anywhere. Any of the papers around the Yankees, whatever, and anything uh, that that you want us to dive deeper on. Um, please send those in as well. We'll 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 certainly be looking at some of the uh, submissions from you guys. So that will be part of it. And then on Friday, we're going to be looking at a segment in the uh, that we're going to record in the morning of of uh, what five things going into the weekend. What we're looking for. So it's maybe going we to be, don't we don't put a number on it. Five. Hey, we're not going to we're not going to yeah. We, I'm not going to commit to five. Might be three. Might be nine. I don't know. But it's going to be what we're looking for into the weekend. So again, a little bit more uh, of of a different coverage. The the big the long show on Monday two drill in shows and then a Friday, you know, what we're, what we're looking for over the weekend. So, um, yeah, we're excited about the new format. I think it's going to be good. Give us a little bit more of a, of a different coverage. And I think it's, it's, uh, it's going to be good for the season. So again, we'd love to hear any feedback. You know, you, we, we do this, um, because one, we love it, but we also, 
uh, are, are doing this for everybody listening to the show. So if you have any feedback or, or suggestions, we're wild, uh, wildly open to all of that. So um, hit us up. All, all right. right. And then cool. uh, and then Bob will format it and put it in the notes and we'll talk about it. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.